This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1182. I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And our podcast title today is hashtag Thanos can bite my shiny metal ass. Our podcast title today is The Black Potter. Wow. Here we are, Megan. I know. (laughs) What is this? Film 18? 19. 19. We've been reviewing Marvel Cinematic Universe's films for a long time. Yep. I've... We started back in 2008 with Iron Man. And so it's been 10 years of Marvel. Yep. 19 films. So, and I wasn't... I wasn't around... Well, I was around, but I wasn't... Do you know your first around. Um, that I did on air with you? Yeah. That's a good question. Let's, Let me think on that. Yeah, we'll have to work that yeah, out. Yeah, I want to work that out. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, and yesterday was uh, Lee Fork's birthday mm. who created the Phantom comic. So, you know, it's all superheroes today. We are going to spend the entire hour talking about Avengers Infinity War or mm-hmm. oh, as I call it, <laughs> if you abbreviate it. Um, and spoilers, okay? Um, not going to have. Uh, I'm going to. We're really going to try not to do any spoilers at all. Yep. But you have been warned because it's not fair to all the people sitting in Triple R Studios. Yeah, they can't. They can't run. They can't hide. It's also been one weekend since it's come out, and you know people have stuff on. Might not have been able to see it yet, so we don't want to ruin the experience. Hashtag Thanos demands my silence. Exactly. <laughs> So we're going to do our best to keep it um, friendly. Yeah, as much as you can with Thanos involved. Yes, exactly. (laughs) um, I just wanted to set the mood first. Oh, no. That could mean anything. (laughs) Could mean anything. Um, Actually, no, I'm going to uh, take us right back to the 1960s here. And there were Marvel television shows on. Uh, where they'd have animated adventures of the superhero characters. Uh, There was Iron Man, Captain America, the Submariner, Thor, the Hulk and the Avengers as well. So I'm going to go with the the Marvel superheroes show theme which sort of uh, announced the Merry Marvel (laughs) Marching Society Hour. So we'll go with uh, that. Just for the nostalgia, you realise this stuff has been going since... Forever, like mm. World War Two, with Captain America when it was timely comics. Oh, and I, I thought it just occurred to me. You know how we were talking last week about how there was a bit of a kerfuffle about showing the Avengers on Anzac Day. Yeah, I didn't realise there was a kerfuffle, but yes, a l- a we did talk bit. about that. Yep. Yeah, some people were trying to make something of you know it's not respectful or anything. Did they realise that um, because Cap dates back to World War Two? Mm-hmm. and um, Superman and uh, the Phantom goes back, I think, before that. Uh, and a lot of those superheroes were in comic books. Yeah. They certainly were in movie serials. So now although the um, uh, American comic books were banned in uh, Australia for um, shortage, paper shortage reasons and so on uh, during the World War, any Australian soldier 
overseas would certainly have grabbed some off the Americans if they yeah. wanted to read a comic book. So the Anzacs in World War II, not World War One, of course, but World War II, and Anzac Day is about Australian soldiers. Yeah, it's Pop about the... Um they Those in service yeah, overall. Yeah. They would have been reading comics in World War II. Yeah. They would have been reading comics in Vietnam. And I also think it's one of those things, you know, there's not just one thing that can happen on a day. We can be respectful to the, to Anzac Day. Absolutely. And still see cracking good film. So. My, my point is that it's actually historically accurate to do that. <laughs> anyway, different iterations of the Marvel universe before the Mm. 10-year-old multi-phasic Marvel Cinematic Universe, (laughs) I thought I'd just give a little bit of a tribute to one of the earliest ones, which is the television show Cartoons in the 60s. And, of course, ever since then there have been other television shows. There was The Incredible Hulk uh, with Bill Bixby and we've also had quite a few attempts at uh, individual Marvel movies. Uh, Yeah. Three, I think, very bad Captain America ones, uh, an, <laughs> an aborted Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie. Uh, then, of course, we've had all of those other ones which were from other companies that weren't the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. The Fantastic Fours, the Spider-Man, Spider-Man. the X-Men. So many of those movies are actually quite worthy. Mm. We know that. Now some of those rights have come back to Marvel so you can have Spider-Man in the MCU where he belongs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, I don't think they can actually fit the X-Men men in. Um, I don't feel like they need them and I don't think they fit. I also think that, uh, yeah, I think it would be doing a disservice to try to introduce them at this stage. Yeah, exactly. To both both franchises. But I, and there of course are uh, X-Men movies coming out this year year too, Dark Phoenix um, Mm. and so on. There's a Venom movie coming out. Uh, And I was just thinking there, and there's a, what's the one called New Mutants, but I think that's um, next year now. Yeah. Been bumped forward. Now I think the first thing that we reviewed on air when I've been on this show Mm. was Iron Man 3 Ah, in 2013. Because I remember talking about the Mandarin, is that the... Yes. Yeah, I remember talking about that with you. Mm. I think I was probably around for the first Avengers, but a silent participant. But Iron Man 3 is the first one I can remember talking uh, talking on air about. Yeah. So, and which I remember very little about. So <laughs> <laughs> Except I think a bit of Sam Rockwell was in there for I have to do the voice. You'll never see me coming. <laughs> Okay, so now uh, to talk about the Avengers, I will set the uh, the mood yet again with Alan Silvestri's distinctive Avengers Assemble theme. Now, the Marvel mu- movie music, I don't think they've actually done incredibly well by my tastes, yes. which were very strongly thematic and with leap motifs. But then I'm older. I understand that they're trying to go for mu- music that doesn't actually overwhelm the story? Yes, I I agree. I personally am more of a, I like, you know, how Star Wars was scored. Agree with you, the leitmotifs and so forth and having little themes per character. Mm. And I guess what they're going for more is a rousing type of theme. There is the Avengers theme. Yes. Um, which we will shall hear. But I, I agree. I think there's maybe a missed opportunity with the music. Mm. But um, but not 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 always. Um, I can I can pick out music from there. Uh, a lot of the Iron Man stuff works very well. It's and very I distinctive. I think they do try to incorporate the styles from individual movies, having yeah little kinds of melodies and things taken from other things to keep that going. But 
Yeah. Not, not a negative point, but missed opportunity. There's some great stuff in Thor Ragnarok. Yes, yes. Uh, and the Asgardian theme um, that they have uh, used a couple of times is very nice. And I know, guess that's like, a thing because you've got a lot of chefs in the kitchen creatively. And also when they get uh, do period stuff like uh, Cap's um, theme in World War Two and his, uh, his little um, USO band. Yeah, that's... There's been good moments. There have been moments, so. and this is one of them. This is China Mievel, author of The City and the City, and you're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple R FM, Melbourne. There we go. <laughs> We're well and truly on the helicarrier there. Not on the bus, that's the, um, the plane, or was the plane, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So that was Alan Silvestri's riff upon the Avengers. And I, and I tell you, there is a, uh, a great um, different version of that that they use. It's played on a piano during the movie and it's, oh, so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so we're going to try and um, keep this uh, spoiler free, but you've been warned, you know, we might slip up, um, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Uh, you never know. We might decide to do a Loki and be mischievous. Probably not. Okay, no, we're, we're going to be good, aren't we're we? We're be good. <laughs> you know, petty evil all adds up. <laughs> okay, now I've never read all of the books for Marvel com- Marvel Comics crossover story event, mm-hmm. you know, where you've got a, a big event going over 10 titles. I usually stick to the 10 or so issues of the main miniseries and whatever other titles I already happen to be getting. Uh, plus, of course, anything that might add some extra iron to my diet. <laughs> uh, but with this film, which is the ultimate crossover movie... Yes. Uh, I've, I've seen all of the MCU movies many multiple times and I've diligently rewatched all 18 of them in release order in the weeks leading up you to the have. opening. Uh, I've enjoyed them again for themselves. <coughs> Uh, I'm glad I did my revision. The homework revealed ebbs and flows in the individual and meta narratives, mm-hmm. um, underlining some defining consistent tropes, and obviously reminded me of where each of the ensemble of characters was coming from yep. and what they were bringing to this all star epic. Um, and the best handled examples of this I've seen before, of carefully winding together so many disparate strands beforehand, outside of long form television, mm. which is another thing altogether. Yeah. The best example, of course, of the other Avengers movies. Yeah. Duh. Uh, but if you want to go outside the MCU, outside of the Marvel Universe, imagine if Kurosawa had done at least seven movies featuring the eponymous samurai before he teamed them up. Uh, I, I wish. Or, or if more recently the Expendables had featured characters that the actors brought from their most iconic action movie roles. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Rather than in the case of the Expendables, uh, some sort of thinly veiled echoes of them. Yes. Know. So imagine if Stallone had been Rocky and uh, Arnie had been his character from The Predator, you know, all in one thing. At any rate, I felt very clued up and came the day, and it was a day like no other, uh, I, thought that being, I thought that being heavily emotionally engaged was worth the time spent mm-hmm. uh, and it enhanced the thrill. And I'm very fond of films that start with the second act and then they catch us up as we go. Yes. Uh, And this one entirely as a result of the carefully packed baggage train that it towed effortlessly behind it, which they probably had to tow with a Veronica Hulkbuster. Uh, This one gets to start at Act 19, essentially, and then roars onward from there. Uh, And I felt that this was 
not just another film to be professionally reviewed by the Zero G crew, although we will be doing that, but uh, a real event in in ongoing cinematic explorations, and yes. as Stanley would say, Excelsior. I'm also glad I've been reading Marvel comics since the 1960s where I didn't need to revise. <laughs> but I did actually have to go back and check on one thing. I had to go back to the 1990s and read uh, Jim Starlin's Infinity Gauntlet story. Ah, uh, yes. Which is a six-part series in the comic books. There are two other mini-series tied into that and another one in 2015. And between them all, they actually encompass a lot of story elements that you will find in Avengers Infinity War. Okay. However, if you haven't seen the film, and I can't actually conceive of anyone who hasn't done this, and have read those comics, because I would think one would go with the other, maybe there's some circumstances. Maybe they got lost in space or something. So you mean if you've seen the movie but not read no, the No, no, if you've read those comics... But not seen the movie. ...and haven't seen the movies... Right. Yep. Fear not. There are so many differences between the two that I'm not really spoiling that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think... You mentioned that you've watched them all in the lead up quite fresh. Yes. I have obviously seen them all, but I haven't rewatched any of the older ones. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, yeah. So I've pretty much watched them. I've watched them all. Yeah. I've rewatched some of them here and there, but I didn't do the full rundown treatment going in. So it'll be good to have our different approaches. So Black Panther must be very fresh in your mind. Yes, yeah. And probably Thor Ragnarok too. And Homecoming as well. yeah. Yeah, so those are all the freshest. But also I'm pretty familiar, like I did watch a lot of the earlier ones. Like I've watched the second Avengers quite a few times and um, and so on. So I, I And the second Captain America. Yes. So, um, Avengers Cap- Light. <laughs> yeah, Winter Soldier. Yeah, so those I've watched fairly recently what about Civil actually. Civil War? Um, yeah, Civil War. Sorry, yeah. not Avengers, um, not Captain America 2. Uh, I mean Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> Avengers 2.5. I actually do not like Winter Soldier, which oh, I know is controversial. so dark and so grim. But I might go back and rewatch it and give it another but, go. But Bucky is so soulful. This is the thing is I was very not that into Sebastian Stan and Bucky Barnes for a while and now I'm into it again. <laughs> so I think maybe I'll go back and give it another shot. So a lot of those Avengers-related ones are actually very fresh. So so if I hadn't been marinated in the body of classical comic literature, uh, I would have felt mentally drafty, like watching Pride and Prejudice, the movie or the series, without having read the abridged, that's the uh, the version without the zombies, mm-hmm. About reading the novel or watching Henry V without already having consumed half a dozen books about the Battle of Agincourt and mapping out the battlefield and estimated positions and strength for the opposing units, as I do. <laughs> so I also understand the geography of superhero movie burnout. Yeah. Or cape fatigue. We've talked a little bit about we this. We have. Yeah. Uh, cape fatigue is where Rob Mitchum and um, Bobby De Niro went to chill out, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the more spitefully jealous, it must be a bit like being Macbeth, where he says, um, what, will the line stretch out to the crack of doom? <laughs> you know, horrible sight. Yeah. Uh, I get that. Um, if it's not your, uh, they're not your, it's not your circus, not your monkeys, fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And look, it's not for everyone, but... See know, more movies that aren't fine. superhero movies. Oh, but I can't. Yes, you can. You've got all access to the, you know, all of the big streaming networks. Yeah. There are still many, many more movies. There may be eight superhero movies coming out this year. Exactly. And no one's got a gun to your head to see them. And um, so we... No. Not <laughs> we, even Thanos. We like to, you know, 
Mm. Talk to the Okay. Avengers Infinity War is directed by Anthony and Joe Russo. Once again, we've seen them in the Marvel Universe before. Yes. Uh, these guys come out of um, sitcom television, basically, mm. and a couple of movies, uh, but these ones, you know, they did um, Captain America Civil War and Captain America The Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Two well really received. Well-received yes. films. Uh, and perfectly in tune with the superhero knowledge that they needed to have because they are both Cap fans. Yes. And... Uh, so, you know, um, I think that uh, they have done... I mean, this is some basic thoughts first. Uh, I'm going to say if I had to give this a, a yeah, and nah, maybe rating, mm. they actually break my rating scale here. Ah. Um, the needle is so far over into the yeah that it's just like... Yeah. Cosmically, yeah. Extra, yeah. Extra, yeah. Extra, extra. Um, and, I, and I thought, what can I compare this to? We were talking about long-form television. What about... And, and, and movies that did have all-star casts like Expendables 3 or Seven Samurai. Yes. Um, I go back to 1962 to a comedy movie called It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, mm. which had a, an all-star cast. Yeah. Uh, or Oceans, the Oceans movies, do you yes, think? Yes, Oceans movies. I actually also do think in some ways some of the Tarantino films yes. have those elements yes. of all-star cast, lots of different streams of story, but it's, it is an ensemble, although there is often a couple of plucked out main characters. Yeah. But I think, yeah, that probably falls within. And it's more than some of those movies that they used to do about Hollywood, you know, Hollywood spectacular, uh, yes, that sort of thing where just, it's just cameos basically. It's pretty much we need, we're paying these people to do something, so we yeah. need to put them on screen. <laughs> yeah. uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, that, that struck me as another one that had yep. more star cast. Or uh, this is an obscure one, Deconstructing Harry from yeah. 1977. Yeah, yeah. And then you get those big war movies, which, you know, this is a war movie, uh, A Bridge Too Far, The Longest Day, where mm. they start, you know, every every second uh, officer, usually an officer yeah. is, you know. But I think you're right is that there is this also extra layer of pre-existing knowledge that yes. I think that this franchise, this is a whole new battleground that we're dealing with because it's not just ensemble movie. No. It's not just ensemble movie where every character is quite important. It's also they all have their own backstories and movies that have been yes. directed and treated in different ways, mm-hmm. quite specifically so. The last movie I'd like to mention in, in those terms, Kelly's Heroes, with Clint Eastwood and an all-star cast in a World War II movie yep. that was essentially a bank heist. Oh, and that's should, what the that, Russos said. I should watch that. Yeah, it's a great film. It's, it's got Donald Sutherland and oh. it's completely anachronistic and everything. It's a great little movie. I love it. <laughs> but this one, uh, the Russos have said they were aiming for a bank heist feel. Mm, everybody working on their own parts of the pie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, so, I can see that. Mm. So, um, all right, now. Seeing it, I went to see it at uh, – I, I saw it two ways. I saw it VMAX in yep. 2D and I also saw it in IMAX yeah. uh, 3D. <laughs> I went to see VMAX um, 2D because that was the only way I could get to see it with my best girl Aww. and we needed to see it because she's a Cap fan and I'm yep. an Iron Man fan and, you know, you've you've heard rumours. Yep. Um, beforehand uh, and their contracts are up for grabs and and we needed to both be there for mutual support in case the worst happened. And you wanted to get in there pretty quickly too. Yeah. Yeah. However that worked out, Mm -hmm. um, 
I thought the sound was a little bit low in the regular cinema. Yep, and I had that experience too. So I also saw it um, just in normal cinema big screen, mm-hmm. obviously, <laughs> and I found that with the sound too there were bits and pieces that felt soft, some dialogue that you could have, you know, blink and you'll miss it. Mm. And I've heard other people. And you'll miss it. Yep, yes. <laughs> I've heard other people complain about that too, so I mm. thought I've got to see it, hear it at the IMAX. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That worked. There were no soft spots in the quiet moments where, where I lost the dialogue. Uh, the 3D added its um, its usual depth, which mm-hmm. really helped to give uh, spatial separation to the multitude of characters that are a feature of this film of all films. Yes. Uh, it was also cool for vasty landscape scenes, Tall stuff. There's a lot of on-planet perspective stuff. Yeah, so that would have looked pretty cool. And when things got chucked at the screen. Oh, yeah, there was a bit of that. Yeah. Uh, And the humongous screen allowed me to sort out the fast-moving fights a good deal better Mm. than I've been able to do on the (laughs) smaller VMAX. Yeah, I will say some of the fight scenes were a bit haphazard. Not on the big screen. Yeah, so maybe it's just a factor of the size. Uh, And this, and here's the other thing, the really important thing, this is the first Hollywood feature film, fiction film, Mm. to be shot entirely with the new digital IMAX RE65 camera. Oh. Which particularly suits the wide range of character heights um, portrayed in the story. And... um, it was uh, – it really, really worked in the IMAX format. I'm not just saying that. That's how it worked. Minor note, which is just a, a quick sidebar. Mm-hmm. I felt somewhat confused by Thanos's size. Yes. Some scenes he appeared to be quite big. Mm-hmm. Other scenes he appeared to be the size of a somewhat bulked up normal man. Mm. Some scenes he seemed almost a giant. I was a little bit confounded by that. But it didn't really bother me. No, but that is a good point. There Did is you a, find that? There is another large character who they don't place in proximity of the smaller characters in the show enough for you to get a proper sense of scale as well. Yes. I can't tell you who it is, but... Um, uh, That's a very good point. Yeah, they did occasionally, but I think they kind of didn't quite work there. However, the actual realisation of Thanos, which is a CGI character, uh, other than occasional scale things, um, I thought he moved exactly the way I would expect a creature of that size and bulk to move. Yes, good point. Uh, He had the weight. Yeah. Um, He had the chin. The chin. (laughs) Yeah, Thanos is one of those And we've got the time, so we'll dig into Thanos more later, but that was just a very minor point. Do we dare? (laughs) I know. Okay. Now, apart from the Russos, and all hail the Russos, they are the king of superhero movies. Russo. Russos? Russos? Russo? I say anyway, Russos. Yeah. Um, God, we'll end up with Russos. I think because of better. Rene Russo. I yeah. think You're probably right. It could be. Anyway, whomever. Russos, the Russos. Those guys, the bros. <laughs> yeah, the bros. Um, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, American screenwriter and producing team, mm-hmm. they've done the script for this. They have uh, done all three of the Captain America movies. Yes. Thor The Dark World Avengers, mm. uh, this Infinity War mm-hmm. and its sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, should, I think, I believe I've heard enough rumours now to say that the sequel, this doesn't actually give anything away, it's not a spoiler, the sequel will probably be entitled Endgame. Yeah. I've also heard that tonally the two films, though related, they, they are quite separate. Mm. Maybe not tonally, but I've heard that 
the approach to the second one is different to the first. Marcus and McFeely also created Agent Carter, the series. Oh, you like Agent Carter. I do. They were the screenwriters of the Chronicles of Narnia film franchise mm. and a few other things as well that um, would put them in the league. I think they really know what they're doing and they've had an incredibly difficult job here yeah. juggling so many, like 29 or something characters. And they're all main players as well. They are. They've, and they've all got their own backstories and things. So juggling that and what to prioritise, I actually think that balance, you're right, they've done a really good job. They even managed to work in some of the posses. Yeah. Of this. Now, you've got to realise that you've had, like, uh, of the three main Avengers, <laughs> strongest, smartest, <laughs> <laughs> most star-spangled, of Captain America, Thor and Hulk, uh, as well as Iron Man as yeah. well. Actually, the four. Sorry, we'll say four. Um, uh, Hulk's had uh, two movies, if you count the... Mm. Um, original uh, one, as we do can we? do that. Yeah, they kind of did allude to that. They do, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, you've got three Iron Man movies, three Cap ones, three Thor movies. So yeah. that's those are three big, those are four big story arcs to incorporate. Yeah. Then you've got the fact, that, well, you know this from the trailer, this is not giving anything away, that the Guardians of the Galaxies are in yeah. it too. So that's, that's a great their group. Actually. Yeah, and they're coming off the back of two very successful films. Yes. Then you've got the fact that the Avengers are split into two groups because of Civil War. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you've got Thanos and his posse. Yeah. I don't feel like it's... Um, uh, giving too much away here is a real spoiler. It's not really. Um, Thanos has minions. Yeah. Duh. Yeah, obviously he does. Uh, that Shin can't do everything. Yes. As you know, our way into the Thanos character up until now has mainly been through um, the Guardians. Yes, and some of the cut, uh, the end, what do you call it, after credits Yes, the after credit yeah. scenes. Uh, the Guardians, particularly Thanos, um, Gamora and uh, Nebula, who are the daughters of Thanos. Of course, exactly. So, you learn more about his backstory. Uh, Thanos's um, medi- uh, minions in this is main lieutenants, uh, the, the, um, the Cull Obsidian, Ebony Moore, Proxima Midnight and Corvus Glaive, <laughs> who are the Black Order. Mm. Um and uh, they, I actually felt they, they gave us just enough about those to understand it, mm. a bit light on some of them. One got more than anybody else. I was fine with <clears> that. <throat> I wasn't there for them. No, no. And, and to be honest, if they'd done a, uh, what they have done in Marvel at some times, if they hadn't had such a strong main villain, yeah. I would have been really wobbly about this film. Yep. But Josh Brolin as Thanos brings it. He, I mean, I think Josh Brolin is great. But I'm so glad that in a role like this, of which he's not done anything really like this before. Well. (laughs) Has he though? Like a blockbuster kind of CGI. I was about to say CV. CGI. Uh, Not CGI, but he was Jonah Hex. Yeah, good point. Good point. He's done action. In a DC um, comic book movie. But overall, I think he's more known for his, I mean, villainous but dramatic roles. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I thought he was great. Electric, you could say. You know what the really weird thing about Josh Brolin doing Thanos is at the moment? Mm. He's also Cable in in the Deadpool 2 movie. Oh. (laughs) So he's signed up for that for a four-film contract. So he's actually in 
two unrelated Marvel movies. He's into it. And if you haven't seen the latest trailer for Deadpool 2, of course Deadpool mentions that. Okay, good, good. <laughs> I like that little wink. Yeah, apparently um, Josh Brolin's brother is the uh, the Marvel Comics fan. Yeah. And when um, Josh was telling him, I'm Thanos and this is my approach to the role, his brother said, no, dude, that's wrong. Yeah, good. Don't do it like that. Good on you, brother Brolin. I yeah, think you've done you. the right. I think we can also then say, I mean, Marvel, we've talked about the villains before, so I'm not going to harp on it. Mm. But I know we've had some, I've had personally some issues with some of the villains. Yeah, me too. Not utilising fantastic actors and not, yep. you know, just not shining through. Christopher Eccleston. Well, and this is not a case of that at all. No. And also I think we can say Avengers maybe have the best villains because is, um oh, no, I've forgotten, James Spader, Ultron. Ultron, yeah. <laughs> um, had a mind, yeah, <laughs> a mind yeah. blank for a moment. Do you remember that moment when the Hulk jumps on, on the Quinjet in uh, Age of Ultron at the end? Yeah. yeah it is. And you just hear James Spade and go, oh, my God. And oh, no, is, oh, no, he says, oh, for God's sake. And I think <laughs> then I definitely can say that the Avengers movies – thankfully have had the best villains because there's a lot of good stuff on, you know, to even the sides of the coin. Loki. Um, well, yeah, good point. Mm. Oh, and remember that the Battle of New York uh, and all of that Avengers, first Ave- that Avengers movie was initiated by Thanos. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he's, you know, so had he's his... been behind the scenes. Puppet, puppeting. I, th- I think the last time we saw him, it had all gone... <laughs> was it um, Kate Blanchett said uh, in one of the blooper reels of Thor Ragnarok, she said, it's all gone to shit, Tyka. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the, the feeling that Thanos' minions have all failed him and now he has yeah. to go after the, the MacGuffin of this story himself and he just says, fine, I'll do it myself. <laughs> but anyway, um, just, just to roll back here onto the MacGuffin of the story, it's about the Infinity Stones, mm-hmm. which are known as the Infinity Gems in the comic book. Yep. Um, there are a number of these that all go onto the glove, the gauntlet. Yep. The Infinity Gauntlet. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. If you're a fan of um, <laughs> the Superhero Squad show, which is the Marvel uh, kids' television show, animated oh, yeah. one, they've done all this before. Yeah. We've had an Infinity Sword and the Infinity Gauntlet and all of that. It's all yeah. been done yeah. before. So you got an idea of how it plays out. Mm. If you've ever played, and shout out to my gaming buds here, my gaming oh, buds. Rough. If you've ever played <laughs> the, uh, the Facebook game... Um, um, Marvel Avengers Alliance yes. for years. I played that from... I know, you love that game. <laughs> 2012, Before 11, its untimely demise, until right? Until it got killed off. Yeah. Uh, you'll know all of these characters mm. and you'll know that, the, for example, the Black Order are really hard to beat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at least initially. So um, all of these things I've done before and the comic fans will have different take on this mm. story to others. Um I won't go into where it goes, but I'll be really and I and and the reviews are good mm. for this one so far. They're very everybody's impressed by it all, apart from a few curmudgeons. Yeah, um, I'm really going to be interested to see where what the reviews say after the second movie because it's yeah. a two parter. Yeah, I'm interested to know about sort of the plan from here for some of these guys, mm. and I won't go into that anymore. No. But I think there's it's interesting. Yeah, I can say as a comic book fan that everything is on screen in this first movie that will give you a pretty good clue to how the second one's going to play out. Yes. Um, Also, obviously, do not leave until everything's finished. Yes. I mean, look, (laughs) hopefully this isn't your first rodeo, but yes, don't leave until after the end credits. As I was walking out... (laughs) Until the the very, very end. Yeah, yeah. As I was walking out at the IMAX um, screening, somebody said uh, to their friend in front of me, oh, did that mean... I'm not sure... 
And I just leaned over their shoulder and said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing. When I went, I went on the Wednesday. Literally no one got out of, even tried to get out of their seat mm. um, on the close of the film because I think, I mean, an important note, we've talked a lot about the ensemble and the backstory. I would say you could watch this as a total newbie, but you would find it difficult. Oh, oh. now I I, um, I talked to a... a, 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 a uh, an older lady uh, who watched it and she loved it. Yeah. And I said, how many other Marvel movies have you seen? And she hadn't. She said she'd seen two. Right. Which were they? I don't know. Yeah, because I reckon that could affect it, it. Probably the latest two, I'd say. So, yeah, maybe yeah, so like... That, that would at least like, clue her into certain things yeah. in it. Um, just going back to Josh Brolin in... Uh, yes. Infinity Wars, um, playing Thanos. Uh, the name Thanos comes from the Greek mythological character Thanatos, mm-hmm. Thanatos which means um, death, to die, be dying, mm-hmm. the personification of death, which um, means he'd be rather at odds with Hela. Yeah. Or in love with her. Well, I mean, match made in heaven, no. Because actually in the comic books, um, he does his motivation in the comic books, and I'm not going to tell you what his motivation in the film is, but in the comic books his motivation is to impress Mistress Death. Oh. Um, I think it's much more nuanced in the film. That's what oh, I say. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. In fact, I look at this his performance in this role and, hell, I'd give him an Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe a, a CGI one. He certainly gives it some depth that I think a lesser actor could not have brought to the role. And I mean, you really—I mean, you're playing a big blue dude with a massive chin with a very specific agenda. You yeah. could easily have sheened over a lot of the stuff that I think he made some more vulnerability out of the character. Mm. Vulnerability is not quite the right word, but he, you know he, what I mean. He's not quite as purple as he is in the uh, in the comics, but he he's actually seems to change blue. color. Yeah, I thought, uh, and that may be a uh, consequence of actions that happen within the film. Mm. But anyway, he just bought it to this. Uh, I can't say too much about him much more. Um, okay, we've got the uh, the Secret Avengers, that's Cap's team. Yep. The Avengers, that's Tony's team. Uh, we've got certain bridges between them. Yes. Um, still. Yeah. Uh, after we left them at Civil War, they'd mm. broken up. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Cap's team were hiding out in Black in Wakanda. Yes. Or, or doing other things. I'm assuming they were cleaning up Hydra bases They and were stuff. doing bits and pieces and I think, um, what's his face? Bucky was really mm. the one that was... And we, and we know up. that Tony's kind of um, moved on. He's been, um, I think at the end of Spy- yes, at the end of Spider-Man Homecoming, Mr. Stark was uh, back together with um, Pepper Potts. Yes. He was mentoring um, Spider-Man. Yes. Uh, so, you know, we've got these other elements in play there. And they do make some effort to let you know the time, the rough time frame. Yes. Because I think... With the releases of the films, there was generally it started out that as films are released, it was sort of a real-time thing. Mm. And it's shifted a little bit in the last few movies. Largely, Guardians kind of messed that up. But they kind of try to show you how much time has passed since the events of Civil War. Yeah. Um, and, which and has been a few years. It's about two years after Age of Ultron. Yeah. This movie, um, which I think, you know, places us after Civil War, of course. Uh, and and, and just, just as a... a a point for the next two Marvel movies that come out. The next thing we get is actually uh, Luke Cage 2 in June, I think. Mm. Uh, don't know what that's going to reference. But I guess to that's this. to the side. They could put that before this. Um, 
we have Captain Marvel. Yes. In uh, March next year. Mm. Um, you know, so there's things that they can. Uh, oh, and Ant Man, sorry, Ant Man and the Wasp as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, very soon, actually. Very soon. Um, and I know that Ant-Man and the Wasp is set before this. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So, and since since the Captain Marvel movie apparently is taking place in the 1990s. Yes. I'm so pumped for that. I know. I think, <sighs> no, oh, yeah. Brie Larson is Captain is Marvel. Uh, oh. Anyway, um, yeah, so they're, they're, they're going to be messing around with this. I don't, think. Don't know what effect it's going to have on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, timelines have all got, it used to be much more linear, but we've got a lot more. Things in play now. Oh, it's the time stone, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Messing the, things up for everyone. And who has the time stone? Do you know where they all are? Yeah. When you're yeah. going in? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We know that um, Doctor Strange has the time stone. Yeah, yeah. It's in, in the mystic eye of Agamotto. I think some of the, in the last few films, I've tried to make little flags of where these things are. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Then we have the Wakandans. Yes. And we have the Guardians Mm -hmm. uh, and Thanos and his team. So there's all these teams in play. And that's it. I think this is sort of the approach. When he said he had this heist approach, it makes so much sense Mm. because it's very much these different streams of different scenes, people are off doing their own thing, working towards this one goal. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like in Inglorious Bastards where you've got all these different main hubs of action happening and they all kind of converge in this. Yeah. But I think it's juggled really well. Like I think all the streams of action. It's this movie is pretty much all action. Yes, but it's all one long event. Yeah, cuz that's from different perspectives. That's what it is. But but I think that because they're all bringing their arcs into this and the storylines that they've had before are kind of um coalescing out in this as well. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the, the quiet moments in this are, are laden with significance. I think actually for a movie that is essentially one long, tense action sequence, it's done really well. Well, for example, I'm not going to spoil this, but you can you can work this out for yourself. Thor lost his father in mm. Thor Ragnarok. He lost his sister, mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, three of his best friends, uh, he lost his home planet. He's in a realm. dark place. <laughs> He's in a pretty dark Poor place. Thing. Yeah, and actually, that does um, affect his character in a way that actually is very Thor. Mm. You know, because uh, he's he's. Yeah. He's the mighty Thor. He's not going to take this the the way some other people might. He's going to take it in a very Asgardian way. way. Oh, yeah. Uh, Um, But no, so when I say it is one long action, I don't mean that in a bad way. I actually think mm. you need to do that when you have all these people. It's the right approach to actually have lots of different teams coming at this from different angles. One of the ways this film establishes itself is a classic way. Um, sometimes you show you need to show how powerful your villain is. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do that right up front in this yes. film. Yeah, um, no mucking around. You and jump right in, like you said, Act Nineteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, and I thought it was um, incredibly powerful what why they set it up. Yeah, so no problem there. Uh, emotionally, this film a roller coaster. I have not been in a cinema in ages where I've heard so many gasps, cheers. Oh. And dead silences. Yeah. You know, um, it was uh, – but then again, the audiences I saw, everybody wanted to be there. Many of them were geeks. Yeah, and this <laughs> is it. I think it will – but, I mean, 
there were parts of this where I was quite moved. There was a couple of really mm-hmm. good chem- like chemistry between some of the characters that was yep. well capitalised on, very much so, be that confrontational, yes. funny confrontations or more poignant moments. Some of the, uh, the mini teams that they set up yeah. in this were not only surprising yeah. for the people they chose to put together, but uh, either by turns hilarious mm. or... Um, or uh, incredibly moving, um, you know. I mean, obviously, you know, you got the guardians there. They're going to provide a lot of the comic relief. I think the teams that were chosen were pretty spot on. And I thought that they brought the guardians in at precisely the right moment. Yeah, so well timed. Yeah. There was a good girl power moment too towards the end. Oh, was it? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I thought yeah. there's a couple little little things that I was like, yeah, you're kind of trying to be like, there's some mm. women but- to be feared. <laughs> Look, this is not going to be the film that's going to give you really long character arcs. Uh, there are certain characters who get longer times on screen than others. Yep. Um, but as I said, because they're all standing on the shoulders of the other films, yep. it works. Whether or not it's going to work in the second film, who can say? Mm. But I think... Did another sidebar from <laughs> the mind of Megan. Mind of Megan. Scarlet Witch. <laughs> yes. She stopped talking in an accent. Yes, she has. They've dispensed <laughs> with her trying to do the Russian, which I'm thankful for. Yeah. And I didn't even realise it until much Sokovian, later. Sokovian, thank you, not Russian. Yeah, poor accent. Uh, I was glad for that, actually. Mm. I think, and because I think, you know, and it's in the trailer, she obviously has a couple of her own scenes and stuff. Mm. Um, and some important moments, and I, I'm happy to not be distracted by what's clearly a fake accent. Mm. So that was just a little observation. Mm. No, that's that's true. You know, there are uh, there are other characters who I thought were note perfect all the way through for what they've been before, mm-hmm. but ha- but have logical developments. I'm, Development, yeah. I'm particularly taken by Tony Stark's arc, mm-hmm. <laughs> not the reactor, mm-hmm. but the uh, the story arc. Actually, that's the same thing, really, when you think about it. Yeah. Um, I love his new suit. Yep. That's no spoiler. Tony Stark is going to have one kick-ass suit oh, for this yeah. film. Oh, yeah. No, it's <laughs> also made me want to go, and I think this makes sense in that they are some of the more recent films, want to go back and watch Doctor Strange again. I know it didn't float your boat when you rewatched it recently. Yeah. But I think I enjoyed it much more on first watch than you did from memory anyway. But I love Doctor Strange in this. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. he's really gone to he's where he needs to, to be. He's got stuff to do as yeah, well. He's got a lot, lot of stuff to do. To do. Um, and it makes me want to watch Homecoming again too. Yes, yes. Um, stars for Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. As well. Great performance from him. Yes. And I am glad of him getting to do things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, a Cap steps back in this one a bit. Yes. In terms of uh, being on the screen. But he it's was... It's not a, his movie. He was, a for, he was at the forefront of... Some pretty big important stuff mm. like Civil War. Yeah, that's you know that was his movie, but he I reckon he's he'll had pro- a lot. Uh, you know, um, oh, I almost gave a spoiler away then. Yeah, no, I won't say that. Um, yeah, and Chris Evans just brings everything to that role, and including facial hair in this one. I know there's some good <laughs> moments too <laughs> yeah. with that. Yeah, everyone's look has changed slightly. Yeah, a little bit just to show. Just a little. Um, Black Widow is now a blonde. Yes, short blonde hair. Because <laughs> that'll fool so many people. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that they've let some of these people have a more natural look and feel. Yeah. Like I think she looks more natural like that. It's better for Elizabeth Olsen to be speaking in her normal voice. Those things I think would have just detracted. Mm, yes. Um, 
the fighting because this is like a dance movie. The fighting is important. No, that's that. That it's is true. The, no, the, no. the choreography 100%. of the fights is the language of movement for superhero films. Like I said, it's one long action, so it's got to be good. The big battles, mm-hmm. the big set. It's, it is Infinity War. Mm. It's not just a little Infinity no. dust up. Uh, the big battles, I think, are filmed. Uh, very intelligently. There are some interesting tactics on display. Mm. Um, they look magnificent. It's like Lord of the Rings, basically, yeah. sized stuff. Yeah. Uh, as I said, when I saw it at the IMAX, I was able to pick stuff out. Yeah. And because a lot of these fights happen at, at really hyper speed, mm. some of these characters are, you know, that's Got what a lot they going move. on, yeah. Some of them I thought I lost some of what was happening on the, on the smaller screen. Same, yeah. But on the, on the IMAX it all made sense because I could focus in on them. Yeah. Uh, perhaps also because I'd seen it once before. Yeah, I, I true. Knew the beats. That's a good point. Um, I would actually have liked to have seen a few more things slowed down a little. Mm. Um, I know it's a cliche, but it's it's there for a reason to show yeah. off stunt work. And but then again, this one there isn't as much. I, I think as much um, actual stunt work in it. Mm. Um, there is a lot of CGI fights, but they look great. You know, and I think it was done well. Mm. And the team ups, the, the teamwork that they display upon occasion. Mm. Because uh, that's an important part of an Avengers film, yeah, or a Guardians film for that matter. The teamwork they display um, is amazing, especially since some of the teams are ad hoc. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And you watch it, and you think, "This is why I'm watching a superhero movie for this particular moment here." There are also some pair-ups of working together, like be it on the battlefield or whatever. That you're like, "I never thought I'd see those two characters together." Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Mm. Um, this is the franchise. It's, you know, it's the, this is where you want these characters to mesh together. And it was always heading this way. Like, I think this is like, yep, this is our big finale of a 10-year build-up. And, yeah, they've done that. They've done it to scale. So just to wrap up, I I can't give a a Yen maybe rating for Avengers Infinity Wars because it broke my scale. (laughs) It actually snapped the needle off. Pedal to the metal. I, I really liked this. I thought it was a lot of fun and I think it was a really great realisation of a pretty hard concept of yeah. pulling together all the... I think pretty hard. Props, like <laughs> absolute props. Um, I, it's not my favourite of all the films, um, but I also think that I'm really excited about the second film. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think they're, they're doing everything right. I think, mm. I think it was really well executed. And some of those quiet moments... Perfect. So, definite, yeah. Compared to Justice League? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's, I would, I can't even. It's yeah, comparing. Let's, let's not even go there. Like Thanos to a goat. Just yeah. can't do it. Just can't do it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's, that's about it for Zero G. Joe Brunatic is coming up next with Astral Glamour. And I also wanted to congratulate Bite Into It on its 25th anniversary, a fellow Zero Triple uh, R show. So, that's it. Thanks a lot, Megan. Thank you, Rob. Until. Uh, next week on Zero G and uh, maybe I'll I'll have seen um, Infinity War again by then. (laughs) Uh, Until next week, hey big guy, sun's getting real low. This has been a podcast from Free Triple R 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au